exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Hey there, we're Jason and Caroline Zook, a husband and wife team who believes life is just one big experiment. This is the show where we share our journey as we figure out this ever-changing thing called life. We cover topics like running a business, traveling the world, and clawing our way out of debt, all with the hope of inspiring you to live, work, and create with more intention. Life might bring its twists and turns, but when you know who you are and what you want, you're never really lost. Welcome to Wandering Aimfully, the show. Kitty cat, kitty cat. Okay, that's enough. Meow. That's enough. Meow. What is this hand doing? This is the daily ASMR podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Who did you say just did an ASMR? Cardi B. Cardi B. Getting into that ASMR. I don't even, I mean, I have no recollection of Cardi B in any other form other than like I know she's a hip hop artist, but The Verge is where I go for my tech news and whatnot. And there was a story, I didn't even click into it, just saw Cardi B doing ASMR, and I was like, oh, now Cardi B and I have something in common. So that's good. You know? Sometimes I take a step back at like what gets popular and like what the trends are, and I'm like, hmm. we're weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Humans yeah. are real yeah, weird. Yeah, we're into some pretty weird stuff. But we watched that ASMR documentary thing, and I did not know, I thought it was just like a, a weird kind of like fetishy thing. Is this, a, are we going to do an episode? No, no, no. Well, I, just, I say let's just do an ASMR episode. What I, all, How do you feel all, about stop. it? Stop. All I will say <laughs> is that I found it fascinating that it's an actual like brain thing. Yeah. Like some people have this reaction to these types of sounds where it's very calming for them and they have like a, a, a weird resonant frequency or something i thought that was interesting i didn't know that we didn't even have to google that for you but now you know oh, we should that was a good one congratulations uh this episode though is we, not about that we're gonna talk about if your friends will still love you if you enjoy asmr is, the answer is that's the clickbait no. title just kidding yeah let's talk about friendships jason let's talk about friendships because you and i both have different views on friendships we have different um roles that friendships play in our lives. And I think that overall it's very interesting. <clears throat> so I'm 30 years old. How old are you? 36. 36. So I'm just kidding. I feel like a lot happens with friendships in your twenties, like from your twenties to your thirties, friendships take on a whole different thing because you're leaving college or you're leaving high school. And 
I feel like you have all these friends and then sort of they dwindle a little bit and sort of the real friendships emerge. Would you agree with that? Uh, totally. Yeah. So I think it, this is an interesting topic as adults to talk about just how friendships can evolve, what role they play in your lives, how to make friends as, as adults. I feel like nobody tells you how to do that. Right which is something that was like kind of caught me off guard was like, Oh, this is actually way harder than when we were all forced into like a building school where we just were like hanging well, out all that day. That could have gone to a weird <clears throat> place, huh? Like yeah. you brought up like some thing that you did. That was like <laughs> yeah. got forced no, I meant school. What I think is kind of funny about this and I, this is kind of Freudian. Uh, who sent you this plant that's on our Can table? Can you hear this exact this helicopter? Helicopter. Yeah. Uh, we found out through people who listen to this that like we'll salute the train or a plaxico will be like rummaging around or whatever. You can't really hear it. Thankfully, we have I think you're going to hear the helicopter. Maybe you'll hear a little bit and then people can just know. It's louder than the train. Cops. 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 Yeah. My friend Emily. One of, Emily Madden. Emily Madden. Is yeah. one of my best friends from, pro Emily is probably my oldest friend. Yeah. If you're just listening to this. She, uh, not that she's old. That I've known her the longest. If you just listen to this, you're not watching on YouTube. Uh, we're sorry. Uh, but also, there is a nice succulent that yes. is in a pot on our desk where we're recording. And I'm making uh, an acknowledgement to its physical presence because we weren't sure what episode we were going to record on. And I asked you while I was setting up our little setup here. Uh, I was like, hey, can you set a little something on the table for everyone to gander at while we gab on? And you picked this. And then we're doing friendships. And Emily Madden. It is very that. fitting. You're right. Yeah. She sent that to me for my 30th birthday along with... If you remember a little, uh, some of those candies from Sugarfina that I ate. The watermelon ones, right? The watermelon ones, yeah. which I devoured in two days. Yeah. And that was a lot of, of sugar, sugar, yeah. refined sugar. From we don't have app. a lot of sugar. So you were kind of loopy. It was delicious. Um, so that. Well, maybe we, let's start where I think we have some interesting differences and where folks listening to this may have some unique differences that they know from their significant other or just from people around them. And maybe sometimes you can feel a little bit bad about how you handle friendships, but I think this will even get into some of like personality traits and whatnot. True. I have really never been want a lot of friends type of person. Right. I've never been that so way. So at no point in your life have you had a lot of friends? I would say the the maximum amount of friends that I had. Also, peak, peak friends. Peak friendships <laughs> uh, was definitely beginning of college. Okay. And that wasn't even people that I went to college with. It was just like my friend Drew, you know very well, like that whole, his whole group of friends. Became uh, your group by There was proxy. just a running joke that I was a couple years older than they were, but it was like, you went to the same high school as us. But you didn't. I didn't. Right. And everyone would laugh. They'd be like, weren't you in like the like grade two or three above us? And I'm like, like, no, no. I, I wasn't. Like everyone thinks this, but like, so I was very ingrained in that group, which I was thankful for. But even before, like my entire life before that, I only had like one or two friends, which is interesting. Follow up question. Do you think that had Drew not had a lot of friends, like if Drew had just had one best friend, do you think you would have sought out those people? No, I don't think so. I didn't so, seek those people out. They came with Drew. That's what I'm it saying. It was a big BOGO. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit of an anomaly in your friendship True. story, which is that you didn't pick and, those friends. And if I'm being they honest, were a package deal. I really only hung out with Drew, a, uh, a little bit our friend Chet, and then like a couple other people yeah. of that group. I didn't know a lot of other people. You know, you do the, the college parties and whatnot, and so you would meet a lot of people. You'd see a lot of people, but I wasn't, I wasn't really friends with them. That's also interesting how friendships, I think, change over time in your life, too, is that people go... 
you think they're friends, but they're really just acquaintances. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that, but I still want to narrow in on this because I think, I think it is a little bit personality traits, but I think it is also a little bit circumstances of childhood. Like, do you think that the fact that you moved so often had a lot to do with how you formed friendships and to dig even deeper? Do you think that there's, would you say that maybe you were afraid to form like deep friendships because you were just going to leave? Um, th- that's, Po- very possible. Although Would you like I remember, to lay down on my therapist couch. Um, I remember as a kid. No, don't make fun uh, of therapy. No, 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 not at all. I'm, I'm. If anything, I was making fun of myself, not Good. therapy. Uh, I remember as a kid, still, even when I lived in a place for a couple of years, only having one or two friends. So I think just naturally, I also grew up with a single mom, mm-hmm. so didn't have a father figure around. And I don't know that that necessarily would have played into me having more friendships, as much as it was just. I had this one-on-one relationship with my mom and I think that very much became a thing for me where I got a lot of um, personal fulfillment from that one person. So for me, it was like, well, I got all this fulfillment from one mom, one parent, uh, one friend will be enough if they're a good friend. Right. I think that is really interesting and telling because I feel like you were comfortable in a more one-on-one scenario in that what you just said. Whereas I coming from this big family where people are talking all the time right. and meals are, uh, there's like brothers. children's running, children running around all the time. They all have friends. They all have girlfriends at different times. So like I was always comfortable in groups. And so I did have tons of friends growing up. Um, I mean, I would always have like one or two kind of like best friends. Um, but you had girlfriends. This, that was always the ironic thing for me growing up. I only ever had one best friend no, at the you time. Have, no, no, no. Yeah. You have. You had. You lots can't of choose best friends. just one. Yeah, you had lots of best friends. Exactly. You As, still have. Especially, I would find myself in like trifecta trifectas. Often. That was almost a trifecta, <laughs> which. <laughs> if that is not an urban dictionary term, it, it has needs to be. be. Has, has to, be. to be. What are you get into tonight? Oh, I think I'm gonna do a little trifecta. I think so. <laughs> you know, this is a say it. Beep it. Leave it out. Uh, no, um, I throw the explicit tag on there. People okay. are in their car they're by themselves anyway they have people have kids you know they do well then they can just then now's a good time now they can talk about birds and bees (laughs) and then birds and two bees (laughs) and then sometimes you listen to podcasts and they make up silly words and this is not a thing right okay i always found myself in these groups of three for whatever reason i don't know why like me and two other like best friends and even now to this day my best friends and it would be emily and leah and they're the people that i've known the very longest like since elementary school and it's just the three of us and we all bring something kind of different to the table and we have individual relationships like me and Emily or Leah and Emily or me and Leah, but like we, we try to do trips together and I don't know. It's just, it's, there's a group, Yeah. but you never had that. No, I never had that. And I, I really don't recall growing up specifically having more than one friend on average. Like I can remember like when I lived in Virginia, um, I was friends with the kids that were up the hill and I actually went to Taekwondo class mm-hmm. with one and like his name was John and he drove me to Taekwondo mm-hmm. and it was funny. I was, I was more friends with him and he was a couple years older than I was than his little brother who was my same age because mm-hmm. his little brother just seemed super immature to me and was kind of a jerk. Um, but I just remember there was that friend and then also my friend Wes who was the Korean friend mm-hmm. reason why I have a tattoo on my back was because of we this can bl- we can blame that on Wes incredible friendship with Wes who was probably my first like really good, good friend. deep friend who after I moved completely lost contact with and I blame that mostly on social media didn't exist AOL it's messenger what are you going to write letters what are you going to write letters I'm not going to write letters that was my next question is because now I'm like thinking back of friendships and how they develop and of course I had I had different kind of best friends 
over the years based on honestly school, like who was in your class. You know what I mean? When I was in second grade, between second and third grade, my mom moved me to what's called a magnet school. Oh, we've talked about this magnet school. It's Which kids- is basically just, it's a public school, but it's not close to your house. So it's not like the kids in the neighborhood all go to the public school, which was my experience from kindergarten to second grade. We're like everybody in that one area in that neighborhood, that's the school they go to. The magnet school is something different entirely. So you get bused to a different area of town and um, it's a different academic program and all this stuff. And so in third grade, I don't remember, I don't know why I was like so okay with that. (laughs) Like, I don't remember fighting that at all. I think my mom just was like, this is a good move for your education and whatever. But I had to make a whole new group of friends. You were a very agreeable kid as well. True. Yeah. Well, I just also, I mean, not to like pat myself on the back, but I think I was really more comfortable with change than a lot of kids Mm -hmm. coming from a divorced family, coming from like big blended family, big blended family. It's like, okay, like I'll just, this is life. Things happen. So I had to make a whole new group of friends. And so I remember I had, I very quickly found my like best friend at, at that elementary school named Brooke. Um, Brooke, Brooke still hangs around my like Instagram and stuff. So she might listen to this, Oh, nice! but we were, we were besties in elementary school. And, but what I, so I'm replaying all this in my mind and I'm going, did you ever have sort of a best friend that either you had a falling out or, and I guess in your case, it would be you moved or something. And do you remember that being hard? Yeah, I was just, while you were saying that, I was just trying to remember if, like, I think Wes is the only one I can remember because I was also at a very vulnerable time in life that was Mm -hmm. like high school time, uh, just getting out of middle school into high school. So that's like your puberty is also your body's exploding. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things going on. And I think for me at that time, like we were just such good friends. We were always hanging out like just was very close to him. And then when I moved away, I also moved to a place where I didn't really want to move next, which was Virginia to New Jersey, shout out New Jersey, worst state in the, in the States, armpit of America. You can fight me on shots fired, shots fired. but I lived there for four years. So I'm allowed to say it because I lived there. Uh, but I just, I really did not want to move. So I imagine I was sad. I don't recall it. I think this is also something we've realized. I am a mental compartmentalizer. So, and this probably stems from a lot of childhood stuff, but when something affects me in a negative way, uh, especially from my box. past, I put it in a box, I close the box and I throw the box in the, in the mental dumpster out back mental. and it just stays there and no one picks up the dumpster. I they mean, just, I do. You pick it up. <laughs> yeah, I pick it you up. You check some stuff out. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> should I get into this? <laughs> Maybe we should dig this on out. <laughs> uh, this half eaten hamburger looks like it might be worth revisiting. So yeah, to answer your question, I don't remember having like many really sad times or, you know, other mm-hmm. things, but if it would have happened, it would have been with that friend West. Like when I moved right. from Florida to California, even though like, you know, I would say probably the time drew is my best friend. I, uh, I mean, I well, like you're drew, both adults at that time. It's not friendships. I, I feel like are more important I, when you're younger. And I also just really believe that the time that we're in now, it's so much easier to stay in touch with people. And I would argue that or convince yourself that you're, convince yourself you're staying in touch like cursory likes on Instagram photos I would argue that the way communication has changed even just between text messaging and other things not even social media that you can keep a relationship you can have a depth of relationship so much easier than you could have when that didn't exist and when you had to be in person 
And so it's a lot easier to move or change and still stay in close touch. I'm putting it in airplane quotes, as we do on the show. Uh, but you can still stay fairly close to someone. You can see their face on calls. You can do these things. You exchange you know, photos and everything really easily, whereas 10 years ago, you couldn't. So when you left someone, you physically left them, and it was really difficult to see them. Yes. My caveat to that is with, which is kind of what I was saying with the, you can convince yourself that you're close to somebody. You have all these tools at your disposal now. So you can convince yourself that you're still friends with someone where really all you're doing is tap double tapping on their photos on Instagram. You're not reaching out. So my point but is, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying more like text messaging, that's FaceTime fine. calls, sending photos to each other, like it, which personal. Gets me, that's fine. But that gets me to my point, which is that it requires intention to use the tools. Oh, totally. And so even though you're saying all of that, like, I don't think that you would say that you intentionally cultivate any. No. And this is, I think this is an interesting thing where we've just come to realize, uh, let's just be honest. I'm a sociopath. I'm on the spectrum. You're not a sociopath. <laughs> no, but I, I don't think I need human contact. We, we joke about this often. Like, I think I could be left to my own devices. You could be deserted on an island. I could be deserted on an island. And sure, any single person is going to go nuts. And obviously we can't test this, so we don't know how I'm going to be. But in my mind and the way that we are, like when you leave and you go out of town, yes, I miss you. I love you so much. It's just, it's you miss, wonderful. You miss me more than but you're even also, letting on right now. A side, of my brain, a side of my brain is like, I could just survive on my own. Like I... I know that. And I think it, I honestly think it comes from... Being a kid, yeah. having to survive on my own with a single that mom. That is 100% your like, survival, survival mechanism. mechanism. Sure. <clears throat> so but that's it also, where it comes from. It doesn't feel, and maybe over a certain amount of time it would change, because I haven't like been by myself for, let's say, a month mm -hmm. with no human contact. I, I would probably go insane as any person would. I'd be a friend of volleyball. We I'd need to put you on beard. that show, Castaways. We should do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think... For a lot of people, their reaction to that question would be, oh, I would go insane if I didn't have a lot of human contact. Like I need, you mm -hmm. know, that fulfillment from people. I think you are that type of person. And I think oftentimes we'll find that when it's just been the two of us, let's say for like a couple weeks, we need a break. And specifically, you need to go talk to another, like a female. <laughs> you need to talk to people who you can share other things with that I can't empathize with. And I think for the majority of stuff, that's the true test of a great friend is someone that you can like unload stuff on. There's no judgment. And then you get some type of return back from them that like fills up that, that bucket of you feeling good. Yeah. Let's talk about what I love about having friends because you're right. But I would say that I'm a little bit um, I've, I've morphed over the years. So like I used to have, like a, would you say like a mighty, mighty morphin power, power ranger? ranger? I mean, I think I'd have to. Okay. Okay. So I, when I was, I would say I'm somewhere in between an introvert and an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely closer to the middle of the spectrum. However, over the years, I feel like I've really, I've always been a little bit more on the introverted spectrum because of the way that I need to recharge my batteries and I love alone time. However, I used to have tons and tons and tons of friends and love to be around people and that's all well and good. Over the course of my 20s, I moved much more to the other side of the spectrum where like I just- Late, late 20s, right? What do you mean? Because uh, I would say early 20s, like college- Oh, sh yeah, but I graduated when I was 21. So to me, like my 20s were like being an adult. I guess that's true. So- I, after I got out of college, it became clear to me that I, it was exhausting to try to keep up friendships that were sort of in that middle tier of like surface level. They were people who you felt like you had context with and like you had been through experiences together. You know, maybe there were a couple of people I went to college with who. Do you want to name them? Let's name no, them. No, <laughs> but. It's like my favorite thing. I know. <laughs> but it just became exhausting if, if you can't 
form a deep relationship with somebody and talk about deeper things. So this is also part of my personality type, which is for Myers-Briggs, and we could probably do a whole other episode on personality types. To do that, yeah. I'm an INFJ, and I'm also an Enneagram type four. And like, I love fewer, deeper relationships. I love deep conversations. I, I hate small talk. I just want to cut through the bullshit right away and be like, don't tell me like what, like how the weather is. Don't tell me like what you've been up to. Like, let's talk about what do you want out of your life? What's important to you? What are the things that you feel like you're afraid of? Like all of those types of things. I just feel like that's the real stuff. So it became clear to me that not everybody wanted that in a friend. Um, and also then I just let the ones fall away that were going to fall away. The people who didn't want to reach out to me and who I found myself not wanting to reach out to, you just sort of let those kind of fall to the background. Now I have a core group of girlfriends from college, from my sorority that I still are in am in touch with. We do a trip every single year. I love them to death. Um, and then I have Emily and Leah. Who? Emily Madden okay. and Leah. Leah Lustyle. Leah Lustyle. And those are my, like, be- that's my best friend groups. And then I have more, I would not say seasonal, but but people who I've met by proximity and haven't known a, you know, a long period of time, but who I consider good friends. So that would be like, oops, sorry. That would be like our friends, Jen and Caleb, which we do pretty much everything with here in San Diego. Um, and that, that's all I need. Like I'm good with that. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Cause even you saying like this group and this group and this group, and I'm just like, Oh, too much but, to keep up with. But to me, they all serve different purposes. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, and this is what I was saying. Let's talk about what we look for in a friendship, because like you said, it's the no judgment thing. Like being completely and totally and 100% yourself with someone. So like I have a call with Leah, we try to do it every other week. Um, but some weeks on that day, one, one or both of us will text each other and be like, I'm having a day. I don't know that if I feel like I just, I just kind of want to be by myself tonight or whatever. And both of us have sort of a non-judgment clause where it's like totally fine. Like we both trust that each other are being intentional in the way that we show up for a friendship. And so if we're having a rough day or whatever, it's just sort of like come as you are type thing. Um, and that to me is what I need in a friendship long-term because I need somebody who, who trusts that I care about them, um, enough that they also will like, I won't feel guilty if I'm not like mm-hmm. able to always yeah. extend I think, that effort. I think time has an interesting, um, effect on that as well, because you had actually another friend a couple of years ago that it was a very similar thing where you guys would do calls and you would talk and then you would both reschedule and you kind of were on the same thing. But I think because you weren't friends as long as you and Leah are, there wasn't that like, we have so much history, you know, have so many memories of right. so many things that it wasn't actually worth the effort for right. you to carve out that next call, that future time. Um, and I think that that's just interesting. I think that that really plays into the friendships that over time throughout your life that you're willing to pick up the phone for or whatever. I've also realized something very important about me, which is that I do carry a lot of guilt if I'm not able to carve out that time for somebody, which means I don't let a lot of people into my inner circle because if I let you into my inner circle, I'm there's some, there's like an unspoken contract that I'm going to show up for you. And I just don't know if I have the bandwidth to show up for that many people. Was it, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Was it the Vivster who brought up the point that I just think is amazing? Cause I think about it all the time as well. It's like, whenever you're feeling guilty about not reaching, reaching out, out to a friend, 
when was the last time that friend reached out to you? Right. And if they haven't in a while, then why do you feel guilty? Totally. Was that the Vivster who Yes, because we did a lot of... I thought of, that was so interesting yeah. when you actually think about that because you were carrying a lot of guilt even about your friends Emily Madden and Leah and not re- reaching out to them. I think she brought to you like, well, did it reach out to you all the time? And you're like, no. Like, not it, like not in a way where yeah, it I don't feel like we're not friends right. anymore. It actually more, wasn't with Leah and Emily because they reached out to me all the time. But, but it, it brings up a very important point, which is that if you're listening to this right now and you have sort of the similar thing that I have, which is you're constantly feeling guilty because you're not cultivating intentionally more relationships in your life. Ask yourself if those people are intentionally trying to cultivate those relationships with you. And if they're not, then take a step back and go, we're all busy humans. Exactly. We all have our own lives. We all are dealing with our own stuff, especially our, my group of girlfriends from college. We were just talking about this. We have a group chat, um, which I think is another one of your, like, I I guarantee that we wouldn't have stayed as close as we are without that group chat. So that's to your point about the technology. But we were talking the other day and we were like, as we all get older, I mean, a lot more life stuff is happening. Yeah. Like parents getting sick and like people getting pregnant, people getting pregnant and Divorces. now having, and yeah. And all yeah. of these different things. And so a lot of this life stuff happens. And that is to me, as I get older, one of the things that makes me even more grateful that I really went out on a limb and spent my twenties cultivating those relationships, showing up for those trips, like going to all the weddings, like doing all of that because to me it's like making an investment in a bank account that I I'm going to want people around me as life gets harder. You know what I mean? Well, and where I think this is really interesting is that when you're in your teens and twenties, especially early twenties, I, I mean, this is, I, this is a broad statement, but it's not going to apply to everybody, obviously, but I don't think there's a lot of values based friendships in those times. I think they're tw- proximity yeah, yeah. based friendships. or interest based friendships. And so you want to go out. I want to go out. Exactly. You want to go to spring break. I want to go to the spring break. It's all these different things. And it's the people you're around and, and that stuff. And that's what I realized for me was as I started to get like mid twenties, late twenties, started entrepreneurship as a thing that I was really excited about and wanted to spend time doing, I realized these friends don't really align with what I want in life. They align with drinking beer, watching football, watching basketball, playing basketball, like these types of things. But like when we sit down and actually hang out, we don't really have a lot to talk about above the surface level crap. Mm-hmm. And I think as you get older, that's what you really start to seek out is the people that you can actually have the deeper conversations with, like you were talking about, and the people who share your same values. And so for me, what I think is really interesting, and I definitely want to get your take on this as well, but you and I are so aligned on like almost everything in life, which is just so rare to find the person that you do that with, which is awesome. I'm your best friend. You right. can say it. Totally. You are. And, and I think that for being the person who doesn't need a lot of friendships, because that bucket is filled up for me on the having someone that I align with and I can talk to and all these things, I just don't have the need to put other people in that place in my life. But don't you feel like there are things that I can't nope. offer you? You heard it here because first, those, because those things are just surface level stuff. Like, sure, you and I aren't going to talk about football, although we do hilariously talk about it sometimes. You love talking ask, with me, yeah, because it's funny because you know nothing. So I bring. But up I just something. mean, okay. <laughs> In my mind, you're about to ask like. But don't you want to talk to a dude about like sex stuff? No. <laughs> I know you weren't going to do that, but that's what I thought. I as my weird. I'm trying does. to decide how to phrase this. I have a little bit of a theory, which is that, okay, (laughs) if we as people are like those Russian matryoshka dolls that, you know, there's like the outer layer. You're talking about you and I or everybody? 
every human. Okay. I think we're all like that. Or like, Are we choose all, your layered metaphor. We're an all onion. one big no, Matryoshka doll. No, each oh. of us is a Matryoshka we're doll. We're an individual Matryoshka. I want a Matryoshka doll of us. <laughs> Guys, yeah. next anniversary, hook, it up. hook, hook it, up. it up. No, so we, we're all these little like Russian nesting dolls, right? So we've got like our outer shell. And then you once you peel that back, you're then you're that. And then you're just actually that tiny little soul of a person at the beginning. Like that's how I view humans. We have all these layers and layers and layers and layers. I feel like maybe, yes, maybe it's a difference between like you being a man and me being a woman or you being your personality type who compartmentalizes things and doesn't need to like unpack stuff or whatever. But I kind of feel like maybe one of the reasons why you don't feel the need to have conversations with more friends besides me is like you haven't allowed yourself to, to unnest to the level that would allow you to have that conversation with like a, another guy. Yeah, but I don't For feel. Instance, hold on, hold on, hold okay, on, hold on. I don't feel a void that needs to be filled, and I think that's the difference. I think someone would know in their life if they're like, man, I just like there's a part of me that is not being fulfilled, and I need to fulfill that, and that's probably could be a close friendship with a guy or something, you know, like whatever that okay, is. Okay, here's something morbid. What if I died? I think about that. Like, what? Who would, we, we who would come take care of you? Like, who would? Like, do you ever worry that by not cultivating that village around you, that if something terrible were to happen and I was gone, that you would be alone? Well, now that you bring it up, I'm incredibly sad. No, it's uh, a really sad thing to think about. But I, I bring it up because I think that is a tremendous value of friendships, which is like being a human is fucking hard. And yes, we have been lucky enough to find a partnership that we we provide so much of each other of what each other needs, but it's like, you got to diversify your portfolio, man. <laughs> I totally get it. So I, I have thought about this and you we thought actually, about me dying. Oh, wow. Well, we discovered this. We, did, we discovered, I don't remember where you found this, but it was like in a relationship, there's typically the person who worries about losing the other person. And then the person who's not worried at all. Something no, like no, no. It's Esther Perel. And she said, typically in a relationship, there's one person who's more afraid of being abandoned by the other person. And there's one person who's more afraid of like death of losing themselves. Right. Does that make sense? And I'm the abandoned person we've found. You're the death person. Yes. So here's, here's my thought on your incredibly morbid question, but interesting question. I think is, we don't talk about death enough. We should talk about death. For well, episode. it's totally, uh, I would be so sad, right? Like there's no way for me to even know or understand how sad I would be, but, and here's the difference. And we know this, and this is why I joke about being a sociopath is that, when you think of a family member dying, you can feel like sadness in that moment. I don't. I know. I and, and I, I think and it's that you're so practical. Like I think your brain is like totally. I, this and, is, and I think that my empathy radar or like empathy capacity. Also, can we just say like I am a good person? <laughs> guys, disclaimer: Jason is not a sociopath, even though he throws I don't that word around. I don't collect human skin or anything like no, that. No, right. definitely not. Yeah. that I'm aware of. Yeah. But I think you are like my empathy muscle is very well developed. And I think sometimes yours because of the compartmentalization, I don't know, like could also just be who, who I you am. are. Right. Yeah. Like I just I came into this world and in my chemical makeup and my genetic makeup, it's like, hey, this person can deal with you know, like death or like not being around a lot of people or not having a lot of friends. Like it could just be how I'm wired. I and I get that it's a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture. Like I think it's both. Yeah. And your personality type too is very like, 
action-oriented and direct and practical. So I think also in your brain, you're sort of like, why would I even take the moment to like think of that sadness when it hasn't happened yet? Totally. And I, uh, the other thing, when whereas we talk about, I'm like, I'll spend a whole day just right. <laughs> watching this is us and just crying about. <laughs> and when we talk about practicality, so I think that's the other thing uh, by nature as a practical person, it's almost a waste of my time in the way that I think to even wonder, well, what would I do if you were gone? Because what will happen is it'll happen. Then I'll figure it out because why waste the then time? You'll make space? some friends. Adultfriendfinder.com. It's got to still be available, <laughs> right? I think I can find all the friends I need right there. But I, I do think that's just an interesting way that we both think and operate in that, yeah, I am very practically minded. I'm not going to waste space thinking about something that could or should happen. Well, it's not like, it's not like I ha- only have friendships because I think you're going to die <laughs> one day. Like, I just want to make that known. It's not like I'm going to myself, hmm, should really call Leah today because, you know, when Jason dies, I'm going to need somebody also, to support but me. It's funny because in the opposite of that, that's also why, like, I'm not worried about cultivating close friendships outside of you because if you die, like, what am I going to do? Do you know what I mean? No. So what I'm saying is like where you joke, you're like, I'm having all these friends because someday you're going to die. So I need people to fall back on. I'm not going, well, I need a friend or two because you might not be here. So I need someone to have in my life. Yeah, but I'm joking saying that's not what I'm saying. I understand. I don't understand. All right, let's what, move on. No, just tell me. I'm, I really want to understand what you're trying to say. In what you said, this is, people are probably so frustrated. <laughs> no, they're not. In what you said to me. Yes. Was like, if I die being you, what would I do to like come up with friendships? Then you joked, I'm not keeping a bunch of friends around just in case you die. I have other people to fall back on. No, but what I'm saying in that is that's not the only reason. Totally. Yeah, I get it. And okay. what I'm saying to you is the only reason for me to find friends now would be as like a backup plan. Like I'm, like, I see. I'm backing you up so in the you're, cloud. You're, saying, what I'm you're saying that what I'm joking about would be literally the only reason of what you're doing. Right. I see. I right. see. I'm glad we worked through that. I got it. And again, super practical thing, right? <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine? Like it just had like a list of like three, three people, uh, male, female, and then in between. And then I just, you know, you guys fall in where you fall yeah. in, you know? Yeah. I just think the, my whole point with that though is just saying that for instance, like with my college girlfriends, like we're all very different people. And I feel like as college has progressed, like when we were all in college, we all wanted to pretend that we had the same interests, the same fashion sense, the same, all this stuff. As you get older, you feel more comfortable being who you've, A, you figure out who you really are. B, you feel more comfortable being who you really are. So we're, we all have sort of dispersed in these different, into these different people who have different interests and um, different partners and different like jobs and like all these things. So we're very different. However, there's this like mutual respect and mutual, still a friendship based on humor and loyalty and being able to be our real selves. Like that's the most beautiful thing that's come out of that friend group is like, you could easily think, Oh, you're, you're sorority girls in college. Like that's not real. That's superficial. And it's like, no, over a decade, it's proven that it is very real and that I can talk to them about very real things. And I can be there to support them for very real things that are happening in their life. But I bring that up because I think sometimes you go, if this person doesn't share my values, what just turned off? Nothing turned off. I think the wind blew or something. Oh. Nice awareness. Though. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in your mind, you're like, if I don't align like 90% with this person on our interests and our values and who we are as people, you're almost like, it's not worth my time to, to befriend that person. But I, I see it as there's value in having a couple of shared values, but then being completely different people. 
Yeah. I just think it boils down to like what we both feel like we need. And so for me, it's like if I don't almost fully align with someone, it's a waste of my time. Yeah. And I just think that's that's the nature of which <laughs> maybe I, that maybe there are some fellow sociopaths listening that can resonate not with calling that. yourself that. No, that's but like I, a real delin- a real. Yeah. I, okay. So maybe there are some other people listening to this who are similar to me, and that they have their significant other, or they have maybe like one really good friend that they get all the value that they need from, and then everyone else they think of, it's like, yeah, that person's nice, but right, or that person is uh, you know they're creative, and I like getting a lot of you know feedback from them, or whatever, or working with them in some respect. However, their views on this are. And so for me, it's just, it becomes very black and white. Like I don't, I don't live in the gray with friends and I never have just because I think intrinsically growing up the way that I grew up changing all the times I changed, like I ain't nobody got time for these surface level friendships where I don't align with you. And we have things that just don't go together. And I want to say, I do also see it from your perspective, which is that it's like, listen, like if that person is not having like a shared value system and, and doesn't want to make you better in the ways that you want to be better then what's the point. And I, I do want to say that that's one area where we, even though we have different friendships and different like things that friendships, um, different roles that friendships play in our lives, we both very much agree on, which is that you don't need to play by society's rules of friendships, which are that you need to be nice for the sake of being nice, that you need to keep people in your life for the sake of reciprocity. That's one thing I really don't like is like, oh, this person is reaching out to me. So I feel like I have to reach out to them or, or even worse, like do the thing where you see the person, you go, let's do lunch. And then you never do lunch, like the fake stuff. I'm not about that. Um, and I think also everyone has the right to maintain the boundaries around relationships that they want to maintain in their life that they feel like is going to make them the best version of themselves. So like, as I was mentioning before, there are people that I very intentionally don't let into my circle. And it's not, it's not because I want to be mean. It's because if I allow myself to go down that path of cultivating that relationship, and I feel like that person is going to potentially be toxic to me, or I feel like I'm going to want to hang out with that person, then I'm going to fall short and not be able to have the bandwidth to do that. Then it's going to create more guilt and shame on me as a person. So I just have to create those boundaries. Now, do you want to name those people specifically? Uh, One thing I want to bring up as you were talking, I was thinking that I would like to make it very clear. I am 100% okay with being friends who I have different opinions than. Do you think that's true? Uh, I think in some areas of life, yes. I think in some areas of life, no, there are lines that I draw. And I think that's for everybody. They have their own lines that they draw, just like you were just talking about. You have your boundaries. But I'm, you know, like different sports teams, like different surface level opinions. But But I just think that there are people who won't be friends with other people because of that type of stuff. And I think that that's kind of silly. You you shrug your shoulders. But I'm I just mean, saying- I think most people over, would be friends with someone wouldn't not be friends with someone because they support a different sports team. Okay, fine. No, uh, but I'm being serious. Is that a real thing? Like guys won't. Is oh that a, yeah, for sure. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I just think that differing opinions at certain places at certain topics are totally okay. I will agree with you. There are a lot of things I'll say a lot that if someone has like a very strong different opinion, I judge that person based on that opinion in, in like the way that I look at my life. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's where we just differ. I think that's where as a little nesting Matryoshka doll, it's, it's our own place as a human in this world to go, listen, I got my own life to live. And yeah. if I don't agree with you now, like I want to be clear. I think that if it's a 
large societal belief that is well-intended for the betterment of human race, that like that's something where we should all be willing to be open-minded on and to hear others' sides of the story because we may have grown up a certain way where we don't believe that thing. Right, but you're saying that there are lines in the sand where like, well, let, let's just be clear about what we're talking about. If somebody had like racist beliefs, I wouldn't be friends with that totally. person. And everybody has those black and white, I mean, not, not pun not intended, but everyone has those black and white issues where they just go, I'm not willing to surround myself with somebody who has a, a different belief that I think is on the wrong side of moral behavior yeah. in order just to ha be open-minded, right. which I would agree that I even have those things. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that was what was interesting for me moving from the Northeast to then the South when I was going from high school to college was actually seeing racism in person. That was bizarre. Yeah. That was, it blew my mind. And I remember when I, like, I would call my mom when I was at college. Now, do you think that's just because there were, like, do you feel like the racial dynamics were more prominent in the South? Like, or did you just feel like people typically did a better job of integrating and, like, being equal, treating each other equally in the North? I mean, I, I don't know. The one example that comes to mind is, like, there's not a Confederate flag in New Jersey. Well, yeah, because you're, I mean, but you're I'm in the Confederacy, right? but that's right? what like, I'm saying. Like, that to me is, like, people are so outwardly, like, right. I believe this thing. Well, and that's a, not to, like, get totally off topic, but that's, I think, a reckoning that we're having to have as a country now, which is that that is so ingrained in like the identity, the right. Southern cultural identity, which it needs to be unraveled from yeah. and be like, let's take a hard look at what you're basing your identity on here. Right. Which is, but what I was going to say for people to be enslaved. I remember calling my mom and telling her like, th like hearing these things or, you know, whatever. And then her being like, no, there's no way that, you yeah. know, that can't be that way. And then when she moved down to Florida, we experienced it. Right. And, and then you, you, and, you see it yeah. and you go, and you hear people say things that you go, I can't believe that you're still at this time in history saying those things. And that's where you do draw the line and you just go totally. And that was not going to be friends with that. That person. was for me. Like while I was in college, after I got out of college, you would see this stuff and it would be people that you were around, but all of a sudden this would come out and you're like, wow, we align on like 90% of other things. But this is so clearly something that I just yeah. won't stand for as a person that like, I'm not going to be friends with you. So I think that actually, moves us into a different topic, which is like toxic friendships. And mm. what do you do when you've known somebody a really, really long time and you feel like you've invested in that relationship, but you're recognizing that it's doing nothing for your life. And actually it's kind of bringing you down. You're going to have way more to say on this than I will, because for me, you haven't allowed I, people to get close enough. That no, are toxic. not. It's not even that it's that when I've discovered someone is toxic, I just cut ties. Right. I just, I'm completely a ghost. I'm out. Like yeah. I, I won't, I won't stand for it. I don't care to me. It's not worth the small amount of positivity that I get from that friendship to keep the toxic thing. So perfect example, I guess I can talk a little bit more about this than I thought is when I started, I wear your shirt, my first entrepreneurial endeavor, there were people that I was friends with that literally told me to my face, this is a stupid idea. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. And to me, you don't have to believe the idea is good or bad, but don't tell me it's stupid. Don't mm -hmm. don't crush my dream based on what I've learned is a fear that you have if you were to do this. Completely. Because that's almost always what it boils down also, to. Also, if somebody gives you feedback on, ide and I, on an idea and their only feedback is that it's stupid and they can't give you any more critical thought than that, that's their insecurity speaking. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard as someone who is friends with people 
and you as a person, me speaking from my example, are going out on a limb to do something that's very different from everybody else, that's very different from the herd that you've been a part of, and you put yourself out there, and then these people that are close to you or have been close to you push back on the thing that you want to do or you believe, that can be tough. I remember that being tough to deal with. And that, that for me, going, well, are we still going to be friends? Because this is something I, I really want to do and I want to pursue. And I think a lot of people, I would imagine a lot of people listening can, can relate to this, is there's someone in your life, whether it's friend or family member. I think that's the other thing that's yeah. a little bit tricky. Um, luckily, I don't have a lot of family members, uh, so that makes it easier. But you you have to figure out for yourself, hey, like, is it worth me continuing to be in contact with this person or... Do I just need to separate it? Because it's going to hold me back from me chasing something I want, which is just ridiculous. I have sort of a similar story, but I, a different route, which is like, I remember distinctly, this is like the first year or two right out of college. Um, a couple of girlfriends were in town from college and we all went out to eat. And where were you? Was this Durham? No, this was in Jacksonville. And at the time I had been sort of starting my little hobby blog on the side. This is like early, early days. This is still up, isn't it? Probably. It is. Anyway, it's actually clumsy, crafty, happy. You can still go there and see my old blog. Dot com. Dot com. Nice. Yeah, I think it's still. I'm glad we've paid for that one for like I'm 12 sure years. it's on auto awesome. reno. But I had, and so what you see if you go to it now is not what it was. It was like a little blogger site or whatever. And I hadn't really told many people about it, but it was my way of sort of my creative outlet. But I remember sitting at this lunch and a friend was gossiping about another friend in our friend group who had also started a blog, a food blog, and they were kind of making fun of her, like not in a like really malicious way, but just saying like, I see her. Yeah. Yeah. Like I see her posting these things on Facebook about her blog and like, what is she doing? And this is also in 2011 ish or whatever. So like, I mean, there was definitely a large contingency of people that were blogging, but as far as mainstream being like, it was a lot less accepted than it is now. But I remember kind of like sinking into my chair and being like, is that something I need to be embarrassed about? Like I'm doing the, basically the same thing. So Lord knows she's probably gossiping about me in a different scenario. But I just remember thinking that specific person, by the way, was one of those people that I just let kind of drop off the map. But I remember thinking like, I I know that my close girlfriends aren't going to get this right now, but I do know that deep down they want me to have the life that I want and they support me and whatever. So even if they want to poke fun at what I'm doing, they're going to see that it's going to all play out and it's going to be fine. Um, I, I do think it is interesting that the one like sort of ringleader of that though, the gossiper is no longer in the friend group. Yeah. Um, and she sort of dropped off, but um, that room. So that was one case where I was like, I'm not just going to like disavow this entire friend group because they don't support my like weird digital I think early adopter thing. How they don't support. Right. So I think if you bring something up and someone says that's stupid or don't do that, or like, have you lost your mind? You're like, so those weird. Types of th- yeah. yeah. Those types of things like that, that is, that's not good. But if it's right. something where someone's like, Hey, uh, have you thought about this or right. like this, like, have you like gone down this path a little bit further? Like what's it going to look like for you? And then you want that person to go, but you know what? Like this may not be something I would do, but I'm a hundred percent going to support you. Yeah. And I, I remember having those friends around me and like specifically my buddy Chet, who was friends with Drew. And it's funny. He sent me a text like just a couple months ago that was like, Hey, I don't know if you remember, but like, I'm sorry if I never supported like our retreat thing. And I'm like, that's funny to me because I don't remember you being that way. 
if anything, you were supportive because he helped me make my first videos. Mm -hmm. Like Chet was the one who like was into video and did stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I have a recollection of him being supportive. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think he thinks it might be the way, but that that's the difference. That's the difference. He never said, this is a stupid idea. He probably gave you, you know, constructive criticism or have you thought about this or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a really important distinction. Um, I also want to say that when it comes to toxic friendships, I don't know if anybody out there will relate to this, probably more of potentially the female viewers, again, not to generalize based on gender, but like some of those things hold up, which is that I, for many years, had this desire to like fix people to a degree. So I would see, I can think of like three specific friendships in my life where I could... Do you want to name them? (laughs) Where I could tell that those people had either issues with self-esteem or actually now that I think about it, mostly issues with self-esteem and my empathy radar saw that and thought, I want that person to see their worth. I want that person to see what they can accomplish. I want that person, but in doing that and in befriending those people and in pouring energy into those relationships, this is what Jason and I like to call leaky bucket. Mm -hmm. You can't pour constantly into somebody that has these holes in their bucket that they have yet to fill themselves because it just runs right through and you end up feeling completely exhausted and depleted yourself because you're pouring into somebody that isn't going to change necessarily without maybe something like therapy or, and so that happened to me at several points where I just had to say, a this per, not only is this person not like hearing what I'm saying and not taking my advice to heart and sort of changing their behavior in any sort of way, but also they're using some of their own insecurities to create really toxic, like reverb to me, which is then making them lash out at me or making them want to like take me down because they're insecure. And I finally just got to this place where, like I said, I was like, here's my inner circle. I don't have time for you in my inner circle. And some of those people, it it was painful to try and finagle a way to end those friendships because I felt awful, especially if you've been pouring into somebody and suddenly you start to take a step back and you know that that could potentially be used in their mind to, to reaffirm a story that they've been telling themselves, which is that, Oh, I'm to this or I'm that or whatever. And and that hurts me for them. But it, it also is one of those things where it's like, you only have so much energy to give and you only have so much, you can't save somebody. Yeah. And, and I think that there is a point where you like between friends and family, is is a little bit different, right? Like you can you can ghost a friend a lot easier than you can ghost a family member. Yeah, yes. Right. And and so I I do see that there are some circumstances where people have especially during my entrepreneurial time and people reaching out to me asking advice on how I handle certain things, you know, I don't have advice for how to handle a family member who's not supportive of what you're doing. Right. Other than to just try and sit them down, have an honest conversation and say, this is what I want to do. Please support me in however that means support for you. And it's going to be different for every person, be different for every relationship. But I just think you as the person doing the thing have to let that person know that you need support from them and you need them to not do what they've been doing. And maybe that will help mend that. And if it doesn't, then you have to make a choice of what detrimental effect that is going to have on them. Unfriend on Facebook, delete from your phone and block all mail. And talk about movies. And talk about movies. For the rest of your life. Never anything more. Rival sports teams. Yeah. Uh, Was there anything else with friendships you wanted to talk about? No, I think that it's interesting how friends have kind of evolved. I now feel very comfortable in the time that I'm giving to the friendships that I have around me. I think Um, it's so interesting just how friendships have evolved. Like I think about our friends, Caleb and Jen, shout out Caleb and Jen, if they're listening to this, what's up? Uh, Is that 
you really get honed in on who each of you are and what each of you needs in life mm-hmm. and in like a day-to-day basis. And it's so interesting, like you and Jen are very aligned on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. One of those things being being introverted and mm-hmm. needing to recharge your batteries. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so interesting how that's now become like a badge of honor in our group mm-hmm. where it's like, hey guys, I can't hang out tonight. We wanted to hang out. It was going to be fun. We were going to do this. But like, I need to just cozy up, watch Netflix and like not hang out with you. I'm glad that you brought that up because that actually is, I think, one of the major benefits of two things having friends around you that align with your values and B having a friend group that you can be your complete honest self yes. in and not, and not be like, Oh, I'm going to just fall through on this date that we planned because if I'm really in a bad place where it's like, I'm feeling completely depleted, but I feel like I have to power through because I don't want to see them. I don't want to let anybody see me sweat. And I don't want people to know that, you know, or like I'm embarrassed to say that I need to recharge my batteries or I'm embarrassed to say I'm feeling anxious today. Like, that is a benefit of being your honest self from the beginning, because what, what will happen is if you are too, if you're too much or you're too this or you're too that for a friend, they will exit your life and you don't need them anyway. And it will, it's sort of the magnet theory, right? You will attract the people that are cool with that and that respect that. And I love that about our friend friendship. So we can be like, we can tell the honest truth about what's going on and being like, Hey, can we move this to this date? Or I'm, or the opposite, which is like, guys, I'm feeling really lonely right now. Like, can we go do something? You (laughs) know? Yeah. And I, I, that to me is not an easy thing to find. I think if we're being honest, there was a lot of serendipity for, they literally, they moved in, in, they moved in next to us in the previous place that we lived from where we are now. Uh, and we, they didn't exist on our radar at all. You don't, you don't get neighbors like that often. You don't look out like that. But I, I think for someone listening to this who might be going like, wow, that's really great for you. How can I possibly find those people in my life? And if you're in that place where you need to find friends or you want to find friendships that you really align with, you have to put yourself out there. You do. I think that's the only way you can possibly do it is you have to show up in places where you think those friends might be and you have to be willing to go a little bit out of your Matryoshka doll and you have to be willing to meet other Matryoshka dolls. Yep. Or ask if you, and it's like one of those things where it's like, if you find one person that you feel like is, then you got to ask and you got to, can I, you know, can you introduce me to somebody else or can you do those Mm -hmm. things? Um, but like you said, you're not often going to find people if you want them in person, you're not often going to find people just by sitting at home. You have to kind of be intentional about it. Like I think about going to the imperfect boss camp. I know a lot of those people live in different places, but you know, there were people there in San Diego that I'm like, I want to be friends with you because we're so aligned on our values. Mm -hmm. And even if that means meeting up for coffee once every couple of months, like there's room in my life for that. You know what I mean? Just to like feel good about that and to learn from other people and meet new people. I think that's exciting, but, but that requires you seeking out those types of events, then going to those events, putting yourself out there at those events, saying hi to people at those events. That's all scary stuff. But if you, I always think like it's an investment. It's you an have investment. to look at it as an investment. And it's, it's scary and it takes courage, but what you get as a return on that investment is potentially someone seeing you for who you really are and accepting you for who you really are. Totally. Yeah. You get a Caleb and Jen. I hope you find one of those. And we're very thankful for them. I think Guys, that's the other thing go too. Go get yourself a Caleb and Jen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Or an Emily Madden or Leah. Or an Emily Madden or Leah. Let's get to the favorite segment of everyone listening to this. We'll go to V. You were so trying to make this acronym I'm making fetch happen. I'm making Making fetch fetch happen. happen. Uh, We Googled that for you as a segment where one of us brings something to the other person that we don't think that person knows. And uh, the other person, this will be me this time. Caroline's bringing the we Googled that to me. And I will try and 
come up with a ridiculous answer for it and we switch back and forth and hopefully you walk away going, that's huh. a fun thing I can share with my friends. Ooh, ties Ooh. that in nicely. Okay, so the last two nights we've been watching the documentary on Netflix, Quincy. Yes. Which is amazing and we highly recommend it and it's wonderful. They mentioned in the documentary that Quincy is one of a number of people who have received... 18 an, EGOTs. Eight, okay. I found some conflicting Ooh, data. really? End of movie credits were wrong? Well, here's what's interesting. The EGOT, by the way, Just, is... The EGOT is the designation that is applied to people who have won all four like major uh, awards, which is the Emmy, E, the Grammy, G, the Oscar, O, and a Tony, T. So... Most people know that this year, John Legend won an EGOT. Um, Is there a, like, it's basically just you win, like, let's say you're at the Grammys. You win a Grammy that sealed your EGOT of the four. There's no, like, special ceremony for people. No, no, no. It's just. It just happens. Yeah. It's like in tennis when someone wins the the Golden Slam. Exactly. And in this article, they talk a little bit about the origins of it, which I wasn't going to get too too into. But what one interesting thing that I found is that. Quincy is actually among a group that are sort of honorary EGOTs because his um, Academy Award was the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award. Mm. So it wasn't. But what's funny is that he's a seven time Oscar nominee. Wow. So he, you know, he's done all these film scores right. and things like that. So to me, it's like he's legit. Right. Um, but this article kind of designates people who have gotten their EGOT through some type of like honorary. You're going to ask me to name people in this, aren't you? Yes, I am. (laughs) So technically this article says that there are 15 who have won tried and true EGOTs. Oh my God. Not just, I'm not going to make you list all 15 because you'll never get it. I'm going to take, there are two people that you would, there's probably only three names I recognize on this list. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so I'm going to, I'm asking you to name two of the three people besides John Legend, besides John Legend. You can't name him. All right. And if it helps you, I will tell you the two that you're probably going to be able to name are women. Mm, wow, big tip, big tip. <laughs> One of them is in the... Oh, don't give me any more. I'll, I'll go ahead and guess. Okay, you won't get it, but okay. <laughs> um, two women that I have heard of. I want to tell you first that like, ran to my mind as you were talking, even when this first came up, Barbra Streisand. This is the first one that came to my mind. Barbra Streisand, I believe, is on this list as an almost EGOT. Ooh, what has she not won? She, hold please. Amazingly, the only Tony Award that Barbara Streisand has on her mantle is a non-competitive one. In 1970, she was named Star of the Decade. So So she's, it's close. That's a good guess. It's close. We could say it's a good guess. Good guess. Good guess. All right. Uh, Oh, man. I mean, I don't think this is true, but I'm going to guess it just because she wins everything. Meryl Streep. No, but I want to do a quick um, clarification. Barbara Streisand is technically one of the honorary EGOT winners. Right. So it's not that she's an almost, she's, she's honorary, in the honorary category. Which is what Quincy is. Correct. Oh, okay, cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Streep is incorrect. All right, so I'll go five total guesses. Okay, okay, uh, okay Or okay. maybe three strikes are out. We'll go three strikes are out. out. We make up our own rules around here anyway. <laughs> if you're in your car at home or on a treadmill or wherever, and you're just like screaming names, I would love to have known what your guesses were, but yeah. I don't know if there's a way to do that. Uh, I'm going to go, no, I'm trying to think of like who older, Audrey Hepburn. Yes. Ooh. How did you get that? Uh, uh, 
Why? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing Tom Okay, so you get one out one. Does that give you a bonus guess? No, no, oh. I still get just three strikes. Okay, so... Um, well, hold on, I get three strikes. I get to keep going until oh, I get all my strikes. Okay, so I only have one strike. That's correct. Because Barbara Streisand was an honorary like Quincy. Okay, kind of We'll give you one strike. Uh, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> just had to throw <laughs> that one in there. Um, I don't think so. Uh, I'll go for it. Whitney Houston? No, but I think that's a good guess. Yeah, I mean, she's just like incredibly talented. Which yeah, I thought that. and she was in... Um, she's an actress in... Yeah. Wasn't she in that movie with Kevin Costner? Was that Bodyguard? Uh, the Bodyguard. Bodyguard. Yeah, I don't think that one. Well, no, but like, yeah. the fact um, she was in a movie is helpful. I'm trying to think of who other... Man. Just trying to think of other who like famous, like really she... well-known, multi-talented women are. I'm not going to be able to get, gonna get to, her. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to three strikes just in general. Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Dolly Parton, last guess. No. Okay. Who was it? Um, Whoopi Goldberg. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so Whoopi won for... Let me get you some Whoopi. You gonna get me some Whoopi? <laughs> <laughs> give me some Whoopi. Hold on. I, I, want, I like the deets. I like giving the deets. Okay. So... Give me the cool mo deets. So they give her a little bit of a hard time because her Emmy is a daytime Emmy, but I think it's... still an it's, Emmy. It's still an Emmy. Yeah. Um, she won Grammy for Best Comedy Recording... She won Best Supporting Actress for Ghost. So that's her E and her T. Or no, that those are the Oscar and the Grammy. And then in 2002, she got her E and her T, an Emmy for hosting Beyond Tara, The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel, and a Tony as co-producer of The Really Modern Millie. Interesting. All right, so uh, rattle off the other ones, and I'll tell you if I know who they are. Okay. It's not just like a listicle? I know. You got to like... Uh, Richard Rogers. No clue. I, the only reason I recognize that name is because I think the Hamilton musical is at the Richard Rogers Theater. So I'm assuming that's the Richard Rogers. If everyone just hold the phone like here so your mouth goes, yeah. You don't have to get super close. Helen Hayes. Pointing. Don't know who that is. Rita Moreno. No idea. John Gilgood. Not John Leguizamo. No. Audrey Hepburn, which you've got. Nice. So proud of you. Marvin Hamlish. Not Mar. Not. Jonathan Tunick. I'm not, you don't even give me time to make okay. stupid jokes about their names. Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. he won. That's interesting. Um, Mike Nichols. What did he win a Grammy for? Uh, Mel Brooks won a Grammy for... 1998 for Best Spoken Comedy Album for the 2,000-year-old man in the year 2000. Weird. Okay. So that's a good in for a lot of these comedians. For sure. Yeah. To get Grammys. Keep going. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Mike Nichols, Whoopi Goldberg, Scott Rudin, Robert Lopez. And then here's a fun fact about John Legend's EGOT is that number 13, 14, and 15 were John Legend, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Tim Rice. And they all got the EGOT on the same night because they were all co-producers for Jesus Christ Superstar. Interesting. So they got Emmys. Fun fact. All right. Those are fun. That's a good one. That's a good one. The, so the ones that are... um. Honorary, Barbara Streisand, Liza Minnelli. Mm, oh, Liza Minnelli. That's the one I yeah. should have guessed. But again, she was honorary, so it doesn't yeah. count. James Earl Jones. Ooh. Alan Menken. Uh-huh. Harry Belafonte. Quincy Jones. Yep. Uh, so for everyone who at home wants to play this game with their friends, what was the website you found this Mental on? Mental Floss. Ment we come up, it's Mental Floss for a lot of these, by the way. We should just... That. 
<laughs> just go on mental just floss mental and just floss. search things yeah. and just tell everyone the mental floss. But news. that one was fun because I really enjoyed the Quincy documentary and I just I wanted to do some type of trivia around him. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening to the show. Per usual, if you enjoyed it, we want you to leave a review on iTunes and tell other people. That really does help. A lot of people are just like, oh, people always just no, say it leave a review on It actually helps move podcasts up the ranks in iTunes, especially newer podcasts like ours. Uh, so it'd be really helpful if you just on the app on your phone. It's super easy. Leave a review, five star only. Obviously, that's the only way to do this. Uh, but a thoughtful review, what you like about the show, maybe your favorite part, um, the silly things that we say, whatever it is, just be honest. And if you really like watching this show on YouTube, please subscribe. Yeah, that's a good place to do it. You can see our faces. If you did not know that this show was also on YouTube, it's there. We do quite a uh, complex camera setup. So it'd be nice if you spend some time there. New episodes every Monday. New and episodes. we're hoping to do more video stuff in the future, the near future. So if you subscribe on YouTube, you will also get those. And uh, forgot to mention, we haven't mentioned this the past couple episodes. I keep forgetting. If you leave a review on iTunes and you want to take a screenshot of it, send that to hello at wanderingainfully.com with your mailing address and we will send you a postcard. In the mail, real postcard, real mail, thanking you for your review. It's a silly thing, but we're silly people.